This is ARN. Is this thing on? Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Thursday, the 13th day of July, 2023, and this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and anything else I want to talk about. We webcast live Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble, and then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. All right. Well, it's good to be with you, and I apologize for yesterday. Um, <laughs> for some strange reason, every once in a while, the... OBS software that I use to webcast quits talking to my Zoom PodTrack P8 soundboard over here. And I I don't know why. It just happens sometimes. And I'm usually pretty good about checking it. And then yesterday I didn't. And we were a half hour into the the show yesterday before I realized I had just been talking and nobody was hearing what I was saying. Um, I'm used to nobody listening, but nobody hearing is a different thing entirely. <laughs> so um, I apologize for that. Uh, yesterday's episode was kind of a kind of a interesting uh, take on things. So we will we will actually next Thursday be going over the same passage in Deuteronomy that I had intended to go over yesterday in our study Bible level Bible study, which is Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 8 through 19. So we will jump into that next Tuesday. And I apologize. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm all alone here. I don't have an engineer. I don't have monitors. I had some people texting me um, that there was no sound. But the problem is, I have everything on Do Not Disturb. So I'm not looking at at Twitter or Facebook or chat on Rumble or any of that. So I don't see any of that live until I, I you know, look at that after the show. Um, so I apologize for yesterday. <laughs> we will try to keep that from happening again. Um, but hey, at least I remember to press the record button. I, I, the, July has been an interesting month of just uh, forgetting stuff and, and things not happening the way they're supposed to be. But, uh, hey, you know, this is not professional podcasting. <laughs> I am not paid. Um, there's no advertising revenue. There's no uh, no profit center timeouts where we charge confiscatory ad advertising rates. We're not able to do so and have no desire to do so. This is just a semi-retired pastor sitting in his office every morning talking to you about stuff. 
So that's the way that's happening. And I apologize again for yesterday, but uh, we do have sound. I see the monitor. The, 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 the uh, meter is jumping every time I make noise. So let's see, I've got two meters. There's a meter on the soundboard, which was working just fine. And I've got an earpiece in, which is giving me the sound from the soundboard so I can hear myself in my monitor. But there's, that's here, that's not on the computer. And so it has to, it has to talk to the OBS software, which thankfully it is. Um, but because I'm doing the video webcast and everything, I'm actually recording it through OBS. And then I just take the sound off the video recording and use that for the audio podcast. Um, so I'm not using the digital recorder that's built into the soundboard. I'm actually recording on the computer. And so with the sound not talking to the computer, I didn't even have an audio podcast of yesterday's version. So that's the way of it. Hmm. I remember when I was just video or just audio only, and uh, in a lot of ways that was more simple, but I kind of like the video, and you guys seem to like the video, and Rumble gets more views day of than, you know, if you add Rumble, Twitter, and Facebook together, um, I'm like two or three times the audience that download the audio podcast on the day of. Now, over time, the audio podcast surpasses the video views, but the video views day of, you know, now and then and people later in the day who watch the video on Rumble, um, those video views are the, you're my biggest audience, so I will keep the video going. Um, and that's just the way of it. All right, what do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And it's Theology Thursday. We are back in the 1689. It's uh, chapter 16 of Good Works. And we will be picking that up again. I believe we're starting today in paragraph 5. I have to go back and look. Um, it's in my notes, but that's way down at the bottom that I had, I'd have to scroll down to that to, to get there. And I'm not there yet, so I'm not doing that. But we're, we're picking up, we're, we're in our, I believe our third week in chapter 16 on good works as we continue to go through the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. All right, let us begin as is our practice with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. 
Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, now our reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. Our devotional this morning is entitled, We Must Receive Honor and Obey the Word. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Matthew 5.18 Dr. MacArthur writes, To be a follower of Jesus Christ is to accept what he says about Scripture, and to wholeheartedly echo Peter's sentiment, you have words of eternal life, John 6:68. The privilege of knowing Christ and his word also carries with it certain essential obligations. First, we must receive God's word exactly for what it is, the word implanted which is able to save your souls, James 1:21. We should be completely receptive because the word is the highest standard of truth, joy, and blessing, and it tells us of the way to, way to salvation. Second, we are obliged to honor the scripture. The psalmist wrote, How sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 119.103, cross-reference Jeremiah 15.16. The great reformer Martin Luther did not fear his human opponents. However, when he stood in the pulpit to expound the scripture, his knees often knocked under a sense of awe and duty to honor the word. Third, we must obey God's word. The Apostle Paul commanded Timothy, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 A key to genuine obedience in the Christian walk is to let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Colossians 3.16 Ask yourself, in what ways is the scripture honored in your home? If this is an area in your family life that has been allowed to slip, what could you begin doing right away to restore the Bible to a place of regular reflection, instruction, and prominence? Okay, well, we are in Thursday's Theology Thursday this morning. We are looking at chapter 16 of the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith which is entitled of good works and there are seven paragraphs and I believe we've done the first four we have we'll be picking up in verse five or, uh, paragraph five but I want to read the first four paragraphs just to to remind ourselves get it get some review it's been several weeks since we've been in the 1689 so I'm gonna do a little bit more review than I normally do because I think getting us back on track is is important it says paragraph one good works are only such as God has commanded in his word and not such as without the warrant thereof are devised by men out of blind zeal or upon any pretense of good intentions so good works are defined by God they are the things that are commanded in God's word. Um, this is important to remember, because especially in today's social media uh, world. How many times have you seen some liberal pushing an ungodly agenda by 
trying to say that this would be what Jesus would want. You know, you're supposed to love your neighbor. And so that they define loving your neighbor as doing this, that, or the other thing, which isn't commanded in Scripture. And that's the whole point. Good works are only such as God has commanded in his word. So unless it is explicitly or implicitly defined as a good work in Scripture, we have no, as it says, warrant thereof to say something is a good work. Good works are defined by God, not by us, not by you know, says not by blind zeal or not any pretense of good intentions. It's God who defines good works, not we ourselves. Um, this is the whole problem with the the social justice agenda that has crept into the church since 2017. I mean, longer than that, but it really rose to the surface in 2017, 2018. Um, but prior to that, you know, it was lurking under the surface. But all of these things that are considered to be good works under the the social justice movement are not defined as such in Scripture, and in fact are contrary to Scripture. Um, that's been the main thrust of... Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker's uh, critiques of the social justice movement. And if you have not, you know, spent some time on the Just Thinking podcast listening to Daryl and Virgil, um, you are not informed on these things. And so I would I would urge you to, to give them a listen. Um, they just dropped a new episode on... on uh, um, Thursday, yesterday, which I haven't listened to yet. I, I was joking with Daryl online on Twitter. I said, hey, can you guys drop the uh, drop the uh, podcast episode a day early? I had a road trip on Wednesday. So I went up to Kalispell and had lunch with uh, John Benzinger, um, who was in Montana for a few, few weeks on vacation. Um, but, uh, yeah, they wouldn't drop it early, so I... I, and I was too busy yesterday to listen. So I haven't listened to it yesterday. So hopefully I'll get to that today. That's my plan. Um, the thing about the Just Thinking podcast, I listen to podcasts while I'm doing stuff. And the thing about the Just Thinking podcast is I don't want to be doing anything other than listening. I I like to sit and listen to Just Thinking at my chair in my chair with a pad and pen making notes because it's so rich with important information. Those guys do a yeoman's task of gathering the information and putting it all together. And the, the episode that dropped yesterday is on uh, global warming and climate change. Really looking forward to listening to that. Um, that's going to be a good one. So, but anyway, good works are defined by God, not by us. Um, that's paragraph one. Paragraph two, these good works done in obedience to God's commandments are the fruits and evidences of a true and lively faith. And by them, believers manifest their thankfulness, strengthen their assurance, edify their brethren, adorn the profession of the gospel, stop the mouths of adversaries and glorify God whose workmanship they are created in Christ Jesus thereunto 
that having their fruit unto holiness, they may have the end eternal life. Paragraph two is talking about the fact that the good works that the believer does are the evidence that the believer is indeed a believer. Um, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So the, the, we are not saved by our good works, but our good works show that we are saved. That's why there's no conflict between Paul and James. And Paul says we're saved by, by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And James said, you know, faith without works is dead. And, you know, show me your faith by your works. They're not in conflict. You know, we're saved by faith alone, but we're saved for good works, which is what Paul says there in Ephesians 2. Still fighting these allergies. Um, it's gotten a lot better. <laughs> Things are, are settling down. I think the pollen season is uh, is uh, beginning to get better, but uh, I'm still having a little bit of that post-nasal drip, which causes uh, some coughing and sniffling still. But uh, I'm trying to lay off the antihistamines and, and uh, just get back to uh, letting my body deal with these things on its own. All right, that's paragraph two. Paragraph three, their ability to do good works is not all of themselves, but wholly from the Spirit of Christ, and that they may be enabled thereunto. Besides the graces they have already received, there is necessarily, necessary an actual influence of the same Holy Spirit to work in them and to will and to do of his good pleasure. Yet they are not bound to perform any duty unless upon a special motion of the Spirit. They, but they ought to be diligent in stirring up the grace of God that is in them. So here it's talking about the fact that because the believer has a relationship with God and has received the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit that empowers and enables the good works of the believer. We act in obedience to God's word and in obedience to the Holy Spirit with the power and motivating factor of the Holy Spirit. Um, we don't do good works in our own strength because we have none. Um, it is the Holy Spirit working through the life of a believer. And in that last clause, they are not bound to perform any duty unless upon the special motion of the Spirit the the good works that are defined not every not every christian is going to do every good work there is a you know the lord leads not not every you know not every christian is going to be a street evangelist not every christian is, you know we have we have been given different gifts by the spirit this is where those spiritual gifts come in now, we all have a responsibility to do evangelize, but not every Christian has the, the, is, is moved by the Holy Spirit to stand on a soapbox at the county fair and proclaim the gospel to crowds of hostile people. I know men who do that, and I thank God for them. Um, I've done it on occasion myself, um, but that's not 
my calling. I'm not one of these guys who is out every week. I have friends who every week are in front of an abortion clinic proclaiming the gospel to the to the young mothers who are sadly been, you know, are going in to kill their children. I, I have friends who do that, and I pray for them. But not every Christian is going to be doing that. So we are not bound to perform any duty unless it's upon a special motion of the Spirit. Um, now there are, like I said, we're all supposed to, to share our faith with our friends, with our family, you know, we're all supposed to be knowledgeable of the scriptures. We're not all supposed to be teachers in the church setting. You know, um, God has gifted us in different ways for different purposes. And this makes perfect sense. I mean, you can think about, you know, a military unit, you know, where every soldier doesn't have the same duty. They work together. And together they fulfill the whole, but not every, you know, every soldier is not packing the squad automatic weapon. There's one soldier who carries the big gun. You know, not every soldier is the sniper and overwatch. You know, there, there's a, not every soldier is the explosives guy. There is a, a, a division of labor. And that's what it's talking about here. It's not saying that, you know, um, now I, I think that may, there's a division of labor. And so we are to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, how does the Holy Spirit lead? This is a, this is a big deal because a lot of people are saying they're waiting to hear an audible voice from heaven telling them you are to preach in front of the abortion clinic. Um, that's not how it works. Here's how it works. And this is, I, I've, I'm cribbing this from John MacArthur. Um, his uh, the little booklet based on a sermon that he has done, a famous sermon he has done called, you know, Found God's Will. And it's a little book. You can get it from Grace to You. Um, you probably, if you wrote them, they'd send it to you free. I think they sell it for a couple of bucks, but I bet if you wrote Grace to You and said, I want to read this book, I, I'm, this is something I'm struggling with, they would probably send it to you free. Um, tell them Squirrel sent you. <laughs> I, I'm honest. Tell, you, tell them Squirrel sent you. you know, Squirrel said that you might do this. Now, remember, I'm not saying they would do it, but I'm saying they might do it. Um, Maybe that ought to be a, a monthly resource again. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll uh, whisper in a few ears and see if we can get that to be the free monthly resource in a coming month or week. But it's a great little booklet. And in that, he lays out how to make godly decisions, how to find God's will for your life. And the, the, the basic premise is God's will isn't lost. It's found in the words of Scripture. And the, the scripture tells us, don't do these things. And there's a list of things not to do. Don't do those things. There's also a list of things that you are to do. Do those things. Given those two parameters, <clears throat> you're not doing the things that God says don't do, and you're striving to do the things that God says do, 
then you do what you want. So if you're, you know, doing the things God says do, don't do the, not doing the things God says not to do, then you, you know, you make your own choices based upon your likes and dislikes. Because it's, if it, if it doesn't conflict with the stuff that God said don't do, and it doesn't conflict with the God, the stuff God said do, then it's truly up to you. And you trust in the providence of God that he will make you, he will guide you to make the choice that he wants you to make, you know. And some of those choices are more consequential than other choices, you know. The restaurant where you eat lunch is probably of less consequence than the job you take or the spouse you choose. But the same principle for deciding is there. If, if, you know, if you look at, okay, the Bible says that homosexuality is wrong. Therefore, the spouse you choose must be of an opposite, of the opposite sex. The Bible says that we are not to be unequally yoked, that you know, a believer should only marry another believer. So, if then that gives you a range of people to choose from. You also have to choose somebody who wants to choose you back. So, you find somebody you're attracted to who is attracted to you, who is not of the same sex of you, who is also a believer, and you choose from that group of people. And you trust that God will guide you to the person you're supposed to marry. But don't look for, you know, you know the, the heavenly choir and the, oh, as soon as you walk into the room and see her for the first time. That's not how it works. Um, it really is, don't do the things you, you ought not do. Do the things you ought to do and then do what you want. Trusting that God will guide you to where he wants you to be. So... That's paragraph three. Paragraph four. Those who in their obedience attain to the greatest height which is possible in this life are so far from being able to supererogate and to do more than God requires as that they fall short of much which in duty they are bound to do. Back to that first, you know, I said you were supposed to do the things that God tells us to do. We are incapable of doing that completely, perfectly, and to the level we ought to. So we will always fall short. And because we will always fall short, our lives need to be lives of constant repentance. But at the same time, this is aimed directly at a Roman Catholic doctrine called the treasury of merit. And what the treasury of merit says is that the, the saints and the, the specialized canonized saints that the, the Church of Rome has identified, um, the false Church of Rome, it is not a true church, um, but that, 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 that Rome has identified as saints, that they have been canonized, you know, whether it's, you know, one of the apostles or Mary or, you know, 
some great teacher from church history that they have decided to honor in such a way. Um, the, the, the Roman Catholic doctrine is that they were good enough to get into heaven on their own. Not only were they good enough to get into heaven on their own, they had extra. So if the, if the, you know, uh, entry fee into heaven is a hundred dollars, they had earned thousands by their good works. And that extra merit, that the, the extra good works that they did beyond what they would need to get into heaven was then deposited into the bank of merit. And the uh, Pope has the authority to dispense that merit to people. This is the doctrine that underlines uh, indulgences. This is the, 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 the Pope can grant you some of the extra merit of the saints that is in this bank of merit, treasury of merit. And that's the, so what, what this paragraph is saying, what paragraph four is saying is that even the best of people don't rise to meet the standard, let alone surpass it and rack up extra. Doesn't happen. Which brings us to paragraph five, which is where we are today. Paragraph five. We cannot, by our best works, merit pardon of sin or eternal life at the hand of God by reason of the great disproportion that is between them and the glory to come and the infinite distance that is between us and God whom by them we can neither profit nor satisfy for the debt of our former sins. But when we have done all we can, we have done but our duty and are unprofitable servants. And because they are good, they proceed from his spirit. And as they are wrought by us, they are defiled and mixed with so much weakness and imperfection that they cannot endure the severity of God's punishment. This this goes back to paragraph four in, in saying that, that the best of our works fall short. The best of our works come nowhere close to the perfection that God requires of us. Um, and, and when we say we fall short, we're not talking about just missing the mark. You know, I got a 98 I needed a hundred. No, you may have gotten a two if you were really good, but you're nowhere close to a hundred. And, and so we cannot by our best works merit pardon of sin and eternal life. There is no way we can earn the forgiveness of our sins and entrance into heaven. And the reason is, we can't measure up. We're so far from the glory of God that, you know, we can't touch it. Yeah. We're, there's an infinite distance, it says, between us and God. We're not there. I've used the example before, and I'll, I'll use it again for anyone who hadn't heard it. Imagine that the standard is jumping from the Santa Monica Pier 
to Honolulu. That's the standard. That's what you have to achieve. You are younger and faster than I, and you run down the Santa Monica Pier and leap off the end of the pier, and you make it 35 feet. I run down the pier, and I leap off, and I make it 20 feet. You are 15 feet further than I am, indisputably. But you are no closer to Hawaii than I am because the scale is so much different. The, 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 we're, we're measuring in, in millimeters, and God is measuring in light years. The, the scale is so vast to measure the perfection of God that we don't even register on the dial, you know. Um, it's like, I mean, okay, my little car has a 10-gallon tank. If I put a gallon of gasoline in or a gallon of fuel in it, I have, you know, moved that needle one tick. That same gallon of fuel would not affect the overall fuel level of a super tanker. You know, the, the big, big tanks of bunker oil, you know, one gallon more or less doesn't make any difference at all. And that's the, the, the difference in scale that we're talking about here. Um, and the difference in scale between us and God is vastly greater than the difference in scale between my Miata and a super tanker. So we need to keep in mind that we cannot measure up. So because we can't measure up, we cannot profit nor satisfy for the debt of our former sins. We earn nothing by our good works. Now, now think about this. In regards to salvation, we earn nothing by our good works. Now, there are rewards that God gives to his faithful people, and, and we will get those. But it, it doesn't have anything to do with our salvation, because we cannot even come close to earning enough for our salvation. Romans 3.20, Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. All the law does in regards to salvation is show us how far short we fall. You know, the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Okay. That's the first and greatest commandment. That means 100% all the time. And I think the, the best among us, <laughs> the most devout, most pious people among us, have never done that for a microsecond. That... The, the totality of my being, heart, soul, mind, and strength, has been totally dedicated to loving God, not for a millisecond. So we can't measure up. But what, the, and that's what the law does is I can look at the law and go, wow, I don't measure up. Yeah. You know, especially when you consider the law in the light of, of, 
the Sermon on the Mount. You know, when Jesus said, you know, if, if you look at a woman with lust, you're guilty of committing adultery. Boy, you know, I don't measure up to that standard. I don't come anywhere close. Even though I desire to, even though I want to, you know, those stray thoughts condemn me. And, and that's just the way it is. It's through the law that I come to the knowledge of sin. It's through the law that I know, you know, don't be thinking that. Don't, don't even, you know, for a minute entertain that possibility. But at the same time, the mind, you know, I covet. I, you know, the other day, driving home from town, and and three exotic cars went by us in a hurry and uh, looked like they were from a car show or something. But it was, I know, I don't know what the third one was, but one of them was a Ferrari and one of them was a Lamborghini. And I'm driving around in my Miata, you know, which is nowhere near in the league with those exotic sports cars. And yeah, I wouldn't mind having one of those. You know, did I have covetous thoughts at that time? Yeah. I've always liked cars. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so it, by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in the sight of God. But it's through the law that we come to understand our sinfulness. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, which I referenced earlier. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. We cannot earn salvation. We cannot possibly do enough good works. Not only can we not possibly do enough good works, remember that our good works are tainted, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Romans 4, 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessings on the man to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. It's not based on what you do. It's based upon what God has done for you. And the next clause is this. When we've done all we can do, we have done but our duty and are unprofitable servants. And because they are preceded, from his spirit. So we're, we're dealing here with the fact that our, um, our good works, which fall short, are less than what we ought to do. So when we do good works, we're only doing what we're supposed to do. And we're unprofitable servants because we don't do it as good as it ought to be done. And we can take no credit for it because it proceeds from the spirit of God. So it's only what we're supposed to do. We can't do it right anyway. And the fact that we do it to the extent that we do it is only through the grace of the Holy Spirit. We take no credit for it. We can take no credit for it. And because of that, it doesn't, we don't earn anything by it. You see, we're only, you know, we're only doing what we're supposed to do, and what we're supposed to do, we're not doing it well enough. <laughs> so, uh, Galatians 5, and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So that is our, that is, you know, what we are, those are the good works. <laughs> Love, joy, pa peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And these are the, the foundation for any good works we do. Gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, you know, when we are kind, when we are joyful, when we are loving, when we are patient, when we are peaceful, these are the things that are the Spirit working out in us. But even then we fall short, and that's the next clause here. He says, and as they are wrought by us, as their their Holy Spirit their their Holy Spirit empowered, God defined good works that were prepared for us to do. Because they're done by us, <laughs> they're defiled and mixed with so much weakness and imperfection that they cannot endure the severity of God's punishment. Apart from faith in Christ, apart from the righteousness that we receive from Christ, his perfect righteousness, the fact that he perfectly fulfilled the law, and we're clothed in that righteousness, which is not ours. Our righteousness is deserving of God's punishment. Our righteousness, in Isaiah 64, 6, for all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf. Now, all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. That's the best we can do. That's the best we can do. If our good works, our righteous deeds are disgusting, then where are we? <laughs> where are our bad works? You know? So in ourselves and on ourselves, we, we you know, the good works that we do are wrought by us and therefore are defiled and mixed with so much weakness and imperfection. Our good works are flawed, fatally flawed. We're not talking about little bitty imperfections here and there. We're talking about the totality of it. It's, it's like, you know, I'm not sure this is even a good analogy, but imagine, you know, your average three-year-old with a Crayola crayon trying to copy a Monet. He's got all the right colors, <laughs> they're Crayola colors, but they're 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 analogous to the to the colors that Monet used, and he's trying to use his crayon to copy the Monet painting, you know. It's not that he's just going to miss in a few details. The whole thing's going to be a mess, right? And we'll praise him and put it up on the refrigerator because we love him. That's the way God is with our good works. He praises us and puts it up on the refrigerator because he loves us, not because the work is awesome. Does that make sense? Psalm 43, 2. For you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? 
Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? I'm not sure why that verse is there, but it makes sense to think about the fact that, you know, we fall so far short. And uh, so next Thursday, we'll pick up in paragraph six and continue to look at the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. There's paragraph six and seven. We might get through both of them next, next week. I'm not sure. There are an awful lot of scripture references in this chapter, which is a good thing. But, uh, all right, I, it, it, thinking about good works and thinking about our own imperfection is very important in motivating us for godly living, even knowing we fall short. All right, let's recite now our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. Grant us, O Lord, we pray, the Spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we who can do no good thing apart from you may by you be enabled to live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. This colic is exactly what we're talking about today. I'm going to read it again. Grant us, O Lord, we pray, the Spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we, who can do no good thing apart from you, may by you be enabled to live according to your will, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Now the colic for guidance. Heavenly Father, to you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever and ever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, have the best of Thursdays. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. 
We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.